You are gifted and graced by God for His glory. Your gifts aren't for you to self-glorify with. They're not for you to lock yourself away in a studio and hide. They're not for you to retreat from the world and just create. They're actually given to you as an invitation by the God of heaven to partner with Him in kingdom endeavour and kingdom exploit. This is a Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond and create. I'm Rich Langton, and on today's episode, we have a special message from Cass Langton, our global worship and creative pastor. Welcome to another episode. It's so good to have you yet again, and uh, it's been great to have you across the season as well. This is our last episode for season two, and so therefore we've got a special episode for you. We've got Cass Langton bringing a message that we specifically chose for the podcast. We felt that this message really speaks to the heart of what's important when it comes to creativity and who we are as creatives. So let's jump into Cass speaking about the art of rescue. And don't forget to stick around afterwards for our very last segment of The Creative Compass. All right, we're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to Exodus 4. And I'm going to read to you a really familiar story. It goes like this. God is talking to Moses. And he has just asked him to partner with him in the rescue of the Israelite people. And so he's told him to go to Pharaoh, and Moses is terrified. And this is what he says. He says, Moses answered, but God, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And what if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? And the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff. And the Lord said, well, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. And then the Lord said, reach out your hand to take the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, the Lord said, is so that they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to you. What a story. Copenhagen is my most favourite city in the world. Thank you. The Danish contingent know that I love it. I love everything about Copenhagen. I love the pastries. I love the chocolate that you put on your toast in the morning. When I was 15, I went to Denmark as an exchange student. I can speak Danish. I love it so much. So every time I go, I make them take me down to this really cool area called Newhound. And it's like all these coloured houses on the side of a canal. And it's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And so in August, I was walking along the canals. And I was looking at all the very beautiful Scandinavians sitting, drinking their coffee and chatting and laughing, and it was sunny and the sunshine was beautiful. And as I started walking across the square, I stopped in my tracks. And I saw an art gallery. And in fact, I saw the art gallery that is on that screen right before you. And it was covered in life jackets. Three and a half thousand life jackets to be exact. And it was an art installation piece by a famous artist called Awiwi. And he had actually put life jackets that he found on the islands of Lesbos 
from refugees who were fleeing the war onto an art exhibition. And he put it on display for everybody to see so that they would know that in our time, this is a very real big issue. Three and a half thousand people got rescued out of the waters. Eight and a half thousand died. 1.7 million refugees made their way to Europe. And this installation is all over the walls of the Charlotteborg Kunstmuseum. And it's there to remind us that sometimes art can tell the story of rescue. Sometimes art can tell the story of rescue. I don't know if you look at your hands sometimes and wonder whether what God's put in them could save a life. But this morning, I pray that you would be stirred again with fresh vision to realise that what God has entrusted to you is actually a weapon in His hand to reach a world that is in desperate need of Him. And so if you are looking for a title for the message this morning, it is this, The Art of Rescue. The art of rescue. Do you love that? I love it so much because I feel like in this room are the artisans of the church, are people who understand what it means to create art to the glory of God. And so here's my question to you this morning, like God asked Moses, what's in your hand? When you look at your hands, what is in your hand? I want you to hold your hands open for me in front of you. What do you think God has put in your hand? Now, if you are somebody who, is, has, who uses pens and pencils, I want you to grab a pen out of your bag. Because I think God has placed two things in our hand this morning, and I want to talk about those two things. I think God has placed in your hand this, your story. Now, the Bible is really clear that right from the beginning of the earth, from the very foundations, before the foundations of the earth even, that He had a rescue plan that He put in place. It says in Revelation 12, 8, before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain. You see, it didn't come as a surprise to God that we would stuff up really bad, that we would mess everything up and go on our own track. And yet in His kindness, He put rescue in our DNA. He decided right from the beginning that there was gonna be a rescue mission and He was gonna tell a story of rescue. He was going to tell a story of rescue about a whole people, but he was going to tell stories of your own unique rescue. You know, Eugene Peterson says something incredible. He says that every time there is a story of faith, God's creative genius is on display, that your rescue story is unique. And so I want to tell you this morning, I don't know how you got saved or how you found the Lord, but this, your story, write it on your hand. It is a gift to you, but it is a gift to the world because somehow your story is going to be used to reach somebody somewhere. When I was in year 12, I wanted a better testimony. Truth is, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was four. Fell in love with Him from the moment I heard about Him. I couldn't help it. I wanted the memory cards. I'm such a church nerd, right? I wanted those memory cards so that you could actually learn the verses. And so I went down the front at a crusade to get the cards. I've never backslidden. I've never been drunk. I never had sex before I got married. I never did all the things that all my friends did. Because actually I was so aware of Jesus and I wanted to please Him. When I was in year 12, I wanted to tell everybody that I had a drugs and alcohol background. 
I wanted to tell everybody that I'd been a prostitute. I wanted to be that cool guy with the tats that could reach everybody like Carl Lentz does. You know, those guys, I wanted to be that passionate, incredible evangelist like Christine Kane. I was left in a hospital and abandoned to die. Like, I want that story. But I don't have that story. I've got the church nerd story. But you know what I learned? I learned that Katie Kane, who is Christine Kane's daughter, one day came and said, Mom, reckon God can use me? I don't have a story like you. And I went, hold on a second. I have a story. Let me share. And I sat next to Katie Kane and I went, Katie Kane, do you know what? Hand of God's on you. From the time you were little to now, the hand of God is on you. Your story matters and it counts because my story matters. And if God can use me, God can use you. In the Harvard Business Review, they say that story is the most powerful tool that we have in our hand to change belief, behaviour and attitude. The minute you begin to tell your story of redemption, your story of Jesus, nobody can question it because it's your unique story. Nobody can question whether God is real when you've experienced Him because that is your story. Write it on your hand and open your palm to God and release that story to Him and ask Him to use it for His glory. The other thing that's in your hand, your gift. Now last night, Robert, he said a lot of things about the creatives. I feel like I am the healing balm this morning (laughs) because I have great faith and confidence that the gift that is in your hand is actually God-given for a reason and a purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, now about the gifts of the Spirit, Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray. But I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. They can only say Jesus is Lord. And it says this, and I want you to hear it. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of workings, but in all of them, in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. Therefore, everyone is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, another message of knowledge by the same Spirit, another faith, another gifts of healing, another miraculous powers, another prophecy, another distinguishing between the Spirits, another artistic measure, another photography, another dance, another architecture, another worship leading, another songwriting, another musicianship, another singing. You are gifted and graced by God for His glory. Your gifts aren't for you to self-glorify with. They're not for you to lock yourself away in a studio and hide. They're not for you to retreat from the world and just create. They're actually given to you as an invitation by the God of heaven to partner with Him in kingdom endeavour and kingdom exploit. Do you know, I was talking to Katrina Henderson the other day and she said, the gifts are given so that we don't just sit around wondering what to do with our lives. They're given to you so that you can take part in what it means to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Ian Cron said the most magnificent thing. It said, the church needs artists to help people see clearly what we all feel vaguely. The gifts that you have in your hand, they're given as a measure to help us imagine I love the Bible, it is one of my greatest joys, but it is full of imagery. 
that talks about the lion and the lamb. Imagine what it would look like for peace to come where a lion can lie down with a lamb. It talks about when the waters cover the sea, like what does that look like? It talks about deep calls to deep in the roar of his waterfall. There is imagery in this book that sparks our imagination to hope for a better day. When you look at the hopelessness of the world, art is meant to create something that helps us to imagine a better reality, the way that God intended for it to be. So this morning, in your hand, you steward your story and you steward your gift. It says in Psalm 71 verse 23, I let out a lung full of praise, a lung full of praise, my rescued life became a song. I wonder what you will let your rescued life become. I wonder what gift offered, combined with the story in your hand, what God is gonna do with that partnership. I wonder what your rescued life sings or dances or writes about. I feel like we have power to create a different reality for people based on the Word of God and His great story. And we are stewards and custodians of the arts. And we are no better than anybody else because actually the truth is God's gifted everybody, communicators, architects, accountants, all of those sort of things. They are all gifts and and grace gifts from God. So don't think of yourself better, but just realise that we have an opportunity to steward something magnificent. Hey, I really hope you're enjoying the episode so far. In case you didn't know, our podcast is brought to you by the Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference. It's a conference for all creatives, and it's something that I really encourage you to be a part of. If you'd like more information, go to hillsong.com forward slash WCC. I'll be there, our whole team will be there, and I'd like to see you there too. You know, when we started to dream about this conference, we sat and went, what would be the verses that we could put across this year if we could put anything across it? If there was anything that we wanted you to know and take home, if there was anything that we wanted you to realise. And we came to these verses in Galatians, and I wonder if you'll turn there with me. It's Galatians 6, 3 and 4, and I think they're going to put it up on the screen. And it says this, Live creatively, friends. If someone sins, forgivingly restore him. Save your critical comments for yourself. Ouch. Everybody say, ouch. I feel like we, the creatives, we see shortcomings so quickly. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share in the burdens and complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. And then it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given to do and then sink yourself into it. Don't be impressed by yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing his creative best with your own life. You must take responsibility for doing your creative best with your own life. Don't you love that? I feel like I love that we're not allowed to compare ourselves. If I'm honest, when we gather together like this, I get so aware of everybody else's talents. 
True confessions. Every time I hear that King of My Heart song, I stand down there and go, oh, I wish we wrote that song. I wish that was a Hillsong song. And then I go, gee, that's ridiculous. Why do I wish that? Why do I want to be better? Why do I want us to be the best? Why don't I just want that song to be written? Why don't I rejoice that Sarah McMillan wrote that song and it is a gift to the body of Christ? When I see Brooke leading worship, I often go, oh, I want to be Brooke. First of all, I want Brooke's hair. (laughs) Then I want to look as beautiful as she does when she does those worship poses. And then I want to be Jad because he's got such Maori authority when he leads worship. But then I think about Ben Field and I go, gee, I want to be a master storyteller like Ben Field is. He's incredible. He's in our film department and he has a way with screens. He can just see how to do things. Then I think, no, 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 actually, I want to be Nubsy and Chris Matika who make stages look like this and who dream about how to make the house of God look like a home. And then I start thinking, this is ridiculous. Why do I want to be that? What's God put in my hand? What am I gifted at? How do I steward what I've got? I'm not going to compare myself. I'm going to live my creative best. Do you know what? I feel like if you've come in here today, there is no comparison game. You are uniquely gifted and graced for God to use you where he has put you to do what he has called you to do. And I want to say that comparison in the creative arena has no place. It has no place. You can be inspired by people. You can be encouraged by people. But comparison will eat you away in your heart. It will take all the God stuff out of your inside and it will replace it with a striving. And striving offends the Holy Spirit because he created you just the way he wants you. And you delight him and he is well pleased with you. And so let's put away comparison. Let's actually grow up, take some responsibility for refining our lives and honing our gifts and becoming everything that God has created us to be. And so we are gonna gather together. We're gonna gather together this year and next year And I don't know how many years after that. But I'm going to invite you to gather because when we gather together, we strengthen each other. We sharpen each other. We begin to create a community that reflects the glory of God. We inspire each other to use our gifts and talents in a way that is meaningful and real. And in gathering, we become what God intends for the church to be. Now it says in the Psalms that God commands a blessing where there is unity. And I love that in this room, there are denominations represented and countries represented and crafts represented. And as we talk to each other, we are going to rub the rough edges off each other. We'll offend each other and hurt each other. You won't think everything that I think, but that's actually part of the beauty of learning how to do this together and sit next to each other and look each other in the eye and go, do you know what? I don't necessarily see eye to eye with you but we can agree on who Jesus is and that we are called and graced for such a time as this. And so in the gathering, I believe God is going to do something amongst us that is going to be beautiful and great. So we put a mandate across this conference and it starts like this, gathering artisans. And you are all artisans in this place because you are called to do the creative best that you can with your own life. In your hand, you have been given a life and you have been told to steward it and bring the gold out of it. So we are artisans and we are making and refining and creating God helping us. And then we said that you are gonna explore your calling. 
Do you know what the truth is? It's in John. Jesus says, I called you and I appointed you for bearing fruit abundantly. You are all called in this place. You are called and set apart for the work of the ministry, wherever you find yourself in whatever sphere that looks like. The truth is that that call is first and foremost to follow Jesus. We are Christian before we are creative. We are lovers of the Lord before we are lovers of art. We are committed to actually seeking first the kingdom and letting God add everything else to us. But then you have a responsibility to actually go, God, what am I here for? If I'm gonna partner with you, like Katrina Henderson said, then what's my superpower? What can I do better than anybody else? Do you know, I think Brie Crocker and our team, she makes salted caramels better than anybody else. And when she makes salted caramels, everybody wants more. And you might think that's not very much, but a salted caramel in her hand becomes an invitation to hospitality. And it opens the door to kindness and relationship and friendship. Yesterday, I was sitting in my office and a guy texted, a guy put an Instagram up. And I wanna read it to you because it's actually ridiculously beautiful. It says this. Please take a second and read this. So if you wanna know why I'm spending all my graduation money, all my Christmas and birthday money just for a trip to a church, I would be happy to explain why I'm doing so. You see, in 2010, I was just a young kid who looked up to all these awesome people who were serving their hearts out at church and were making long-lasting impacts in my life. And I wanted to serve, but I was scared because I have what's called Tourette's Syndrome. And I couldn't control what came out of my mouth to making noises and hand gestures. And I couldn't sit in a service without being called out or being told to be quiet. Can you imagine that? It was so bad that I had to be pulled out of my fifth grade class and I had to be homeschooled because I was too much of a distraction. And I thought there was never a way that I could serve. But thankfully, I was given connections to a guy who spent hours with me after school teaching me about the anatomy of a service and how it should look and how it should sound. And I am forever thankful for that and for his heart. I got introduced to lighting and how to make an atmosphere for people to worship. And then I found out that I had a love for online production and cameras so that others who cannot attend live worship like he hadn't been able to can worship from home. But check this. The first time I served in a service, my Tourette's left me and it never came back. Pretty awesome, hey? And I knew that God had a calling on my life for church production and creativity. Kyle Lights, I don't know if you are here, but I wondered if you would stand up. I just wanna honour you. And we have a little gift, you can all sit down. But we wanna honour you for actually finding out what it was that God had put on the inside of you and wrestling and overcoming all of the challenges in order to be found serving in the house of God and using your story and your gift to the glory of God. I pray in this room today that if you don't know what you're good at, if you don't have his story, that in collabs and in sessions, 
that you would allow God to speak to your heart and mark you. That you would ask people when they're teaching you about the nuts and bolts of whatever masterclass you go to, to lay hands on you and pray for you. I pray that you would find what only you can do and how you can contribute meaningfully in the world and in the church and how your gift can land somewhere. The second thing that we said about this conference is that we're gonna create a space where you can respond in worship. You know, I often hear that worship is Romans 12, 1. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your whole lives as living sacrifices. This is your true spiritual worship. And I think that's very true. Your whole life is worship. Everything is worship. I'm the biggest advocate for that way of thinking. But do you know what I wanna talk to you about? Singing. I wanna talk to you about the fact that we created a space for you to come and sing your way into the presence of God. I alluded to it last night, Psalm 100. Sing yourself into the presence of God. But it's so much better than that. It's so much better. You see, the God that we serve, He's such an advocate of worship because He understands what the power of worship is. Worship is a God-given invitation to you to come close, to draw near, to sit at the Father's feet, to let Him lavish His love upon you. But worship is actually the one thing that we can do for God. You see, God can't worship Himself. Only we can worship Him. But the thing about God is He loves song. It's one of His languages. You see, right at the beginning of creation, when you read the Genesis account, it is like the most beautiful song where God sings creation into existence. And then Isaiah, all around the throne, day and night, God has surrounded Himself with song. The angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because in the presence of God, they don't know what else to do except to sing. And then when it comes time for God to announce His Son's birth, what does He do? Angels burst forth in the sky in song, and they sing, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. They sing, and then in Revelation at the very end, we just sing day and night over and over, holy, 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 worthy is the lamb that was slain. There is something about a song that comes out of your mouth. There's something about the song that changes atmospheres, that challenges chains, that breaks down strongholds. There is something about having a song in your mouth. God says, I sing over you songs of deliverance. And then if you let him, he puts a song in your mouth to echo that cry. And I believe that in this place over the next few days as we worship, God is gonna bring an oasis to you. Streams of living water. As you sing, He's gonna refresh your soul. As you sing, you are gonna see heaven open. As you sing, He's gonna go to war on your account. As you sing, He is gonna break down the things that have been stressing and giving you great grief and angst. Because when we sing, we are doing what God does first. God sings over you and you echo. I hope that you will respond in worship, that you will realise that you are the Levites, that you are the kings and priests who minister to God. You are set apart for His glory. And if we don't sing, the Bible says the rocks will cry out. And I don't know about you, but I don't want any rocks to steal my worship. I want him to find me abandoned and surrendered and so ready. Ready and willing and waiting. And then lastly, we said, 
going to create with beauty. I'm going to create with beauty. It wasn't so long ago that we went to Kiev, Bobby and I and a few of the guys, and it was wartime. And we went down to the Madame, which was this square in the middle of Kiev. And everywhere we walked, there were tents and guns and people ready for battle. But all around the perimeters of the war zone were poetry and artworks hung on these clotheslines. And it was remarkable because in the middle of revolution, there were people who were painting these pictures of a better reality. You know, I believe that beauty, what you steward in your hand is God's way of helping the world to see better. I believe that beauty is the way that we are meant to say this is the language of God. Who's ever been somewhere in nature and not gone, God, you are so incredible. That mountain, that ocean, that sea, that cave, the things that you have hidden, there is beauty all around us in the natural world. And I believe that the gifts in your hands are meant to stir a longing for better in people. I believe that as we begin to harness beauty as a tool, as we begin to create with beauty, and I don't mean some soft, stupid, um, Jesus on a cross stick figure, right? In year 12, I thought it was really cool to paint pictures of Jesus on a cross for my year 12 artwork. I actually now look back and go, Cass, you're so dumb. There was a better way to do it. You could have been more subtle. My friend Leanne Thomas, she paints hydrangeas, and I see much more the hand of God at work in her hydrangeas than I ever saw on my Jesus on a cross. Because we're not meant to be obvious. We're actually just meant to keep hinting and pointing towards something different. We're meant to create appetite in people. We're meant to whet their appetites and go, what is this? What is this beauty? Why is it stirring in me a longing for more? N.T. Wright says, the arts, they're the highways on which God travels to the hearts of men. I think sometimes the beauty, it bypasses the mind and it gets straight to people's hearts so that they're actually open to what God is doing. And then finally, we've said that you will be commissioned to go. The last line is that you would go and tell Jesus' great rescue story. So there's no point creating if it's not for a purpose. But art created and attached to purpose will change everything. It wasn't so long ago that I was talking to my friend Dean Usher and we were chatting about being at the beach. And he said, it's pretty funny, you know, I went down to um, the beach the other day and as I was sitting on the beach, I was watching Little Nippers. Now, for those of you who are in the room who don't know what Little Nippers are, it's like lifesaver training for kids. And on Saturdays and Sundays in Australia, the beach is full of these kids learning how to rescue lives. They're doing drills and they've got ropes out and they're running back and forwards. Has anybody ever seen it? My favourite thing is when they fall flat on their faces. But they've got these little caps on and they, there's groups of them. And they're learning what to do in case anybody drowns so that one day they can be those bronze, burly, tanned surfers that you see on like Bondi Rescue. So he's watching them all train and they're spending a lot of time on the sand. And he goes, do you know what the irony of it was? He goes, while I was watching them, just out beyond them, there was somebody drowning and had their hand up in the water, but they were so busy with their practice, they couldn't see what was happening in front of them. And it made me wonder about us. Are we so busy practicing? Are we so busy getting ready, writing songs that nobody sees, dreaming about a blog that we haven't released, 
painting pictures to sit in studios, writing scripts or not even doing the ones that God's put in your heart for TV shows? Do you have books inside of you, poems inside of you, things that are inside of you that you sit at your desk at home and you're practising an awful lot? But while you're practising, humanity is drowning. While you're practising, humanity drowns. I wonder if we are the type of people who are prepared to take our life jacket and add it to a wall and start to tell stories of rescue so that a world that is in desperate need of Jesus' redemption can start to see him because of what you are prepared to offer in your hands out to God. What you are prepared to offer. It says about Jesus that he didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped with, but instead he left heaven's beauty and he came down and taking on the very nature of a servant, He came as the great master artisan to show us how to create beauty out of our lives. And Jesus walked the earth for 33 years and he told parables and he used sculptures and signs and symbols and he reached in the clay and he picked up mud like a potter and he put it on sick people's eyes. And he showed us the way to live most beautifully so that finally, when he was lifted up and he was put on a cross to die, the world was able to see the most beautiful sacrifice that has ever been made for the forgiveness of your sin and my sin. Hope walked into our story. God heard the cries of his people and responded with the cry of a baby in Bethlehem and finally with cries from the cross at Golgotha. But I wonder about us here today. I wonder if you're prepared to get out of your high chair and get down to where the people are. Take your art and your story to the streets. Start to be mobilised. Let God use what he has put in you for his glory. I wonder what it's going to take. Because what I think it's going to take is for us to get a fresh picture of who Jesus is, how beautiful he was, how incredible and great and vast his sacrifice and how much he is compelling us to get out of our comfort zone and begin to be moved by the people who don't yet know him. You know, our team has written a song for the album. I'm going to ask them if they will come. But it's a story about God offering you the most extravagant gift of love and then asking what you're going to do with it. And we're going to sing it over you. I'm going to pray right now that God would begin to work in your hearts for the sake of humanity, that He would begin to challenge you to take your arts and to stir them up again, to actually let Him breathe fresh fire on them, to give you new creativity, to give you new dreams about what to do and how to tell the story in a way that is compelling and alluring and offensive and raw so that people outside the doors of this building might be welcomed home. Sacrifice for the sake of all redemptions, birth and relentless hope as the weight of grace crushed the face of love and you bled and died for your enemies to us by faith. 
I listen to that message again, it's inspiring and and also challenging for me personally. I hope that it's been a challenge to you as well. As we, you know, as we create, we don't want to just create for creation's sake. We don't want to just be famous for doing something creative or just, you know, our own message. But instead, we really need to be considering what we're going to do with this extravagant gift that God has given us, with His love, and what we're going to do with the message of God. Let's use our creativity in a way that inspires. Let's use our creativity in a way that points people to Jesus. And let's use our creativity in in ways that serve the kingdom well. With that in mind, we're going to jump into the Creative Compass, where we're going to unpack a little bit more of what Cass talked about. For those listening, they would have heard Cass's message about the art of rescue. And so when it comes to evangelism, and applying the art of rescue perhaps to a Sunday service, what does that practically look like? How do, we, how do we use our creativity on a Sunday to not alienate the newcomer? I think um, I have thought a lot more lately about what the experience coming to church is like for a new person, a lot mm. more than I used to. And even just in leading worship, language that I would use that would either be really inclusive or make people feel like they don't get it. Yeah. So I've just tried to do practical things, even in explaining, well, everything's an invitation rather than telling someone what to do, sing this, do this, lift your hand. It's it's actually like this inclusive thing that we are doing together Mm. and even trying to use language that is not mystical, like (laughs) we're going to the throne room of God together, like Yes, we are. Te- yeah. But um, <laughs> if I'm a brand new person at church, I'm like, I don't, no where context, is that? Do I, I want to go there? Go. So it's like, <laughs> right. even just thinking of, you know, things that just mm. make it easier for someone to feel comfortable yeah. and go like, and not water down at all what we're doing, mm. but make people feel like they can be a part of it rather than having to figure out what we're doing. Mm. It's exactly what Annie said. I think from a, if you want to call it a technical perspective, it's, I think it's two-pronged. First first one is to remove distractions and secondly is enhance what is happening on the platform. Mm. That's very broad brushstroke, mm. but I think that covers most everything else. Now, practically, that looks like microphones working. Right. You know, yeah. you know that's really what it comes down to because mm. the, the big broad, broad brushstrokes are those two things, but mm. then microphones got to work. Lights come up on the MC when they get up to, you know, to host the, the, the meeting, you know. Mm. We can hear Annie when she wants to exhort and wants to make the invitation. Mm. So it's those kind of things that really do actually, when you piece that together over a 90-minute service, mm. that becomes an experience that is inviting mm. for a person who's walked into church unsure about maybe the whole church experience as a whole, yeah. you know. And so that is, in a sense, for what it looks like for the person who is pushing faders. Yes, yeah. Because you know? it's so easy to think about evangelism just literally as telling people the story, the, the gospel story of Jesus' That's resurrection right. and yeah. dying and resurrection yeah. and, and salvation. And, yes. and yet in exhorting someone or, or encouraging someone to enter the throne room or, you know, in words that they understand, yeah. to enter into worship is is also leading them in that in, in that journey of finding Christ and yeah. finding answers in Him. Exactly. Um, we can so easily right off our creativity even, thinking that it's just drawing or it's just photography or it's just lighting or it's just, you know, anything, whatever Whatever. it might be. Mm. And in fact, they're tools that that we can use to point people home, point Mm. people to Christ. And um, that can happen on a Sunday or it can happen during the week. Um, You know, there's people, which you guys will know, but there's people 
in our team who are painters or who are typographers yeah. or who do all sorts of art that in and of itself could be seen as just art, but when it's approached the right way, it can point people to the beauty of who Jesus is mm. or the beauty of who God is or the mystery of who God is. Um, yeah. I can think of one example of, of a painter in our, in our city team here in Sydney who she paints such beautiful things and you have to look at it and just see something more. Right. And I think when we approach our art with that way, we can we can help people ask questions about the mysteries of, of the world, the mysteries of life, of the bigger picture of the world, of yeah. the fact that there is a God even. Exactly. And we don't always have to be literal in it. You know, I, I think sometimes um, we can want so badly for people to see Jesus that we need to paint a picture of the cross. Right. And in actual fact, right. we can paint something as beautiful and as mysterious as a landscape or, you know, yeah. or, or write a song that doesn't, doesn't literally have to sound out everything about the gospel story but can point people towards yeah. it. And that might be actually a little bit more inviting than yeah, right. like your example anywhere. Instead of telling people what to do, we can invite them mm-hmm. to participate in this yeah. God life and and journey, right. yeah. and I guess that's that. When it comes to evangelism and creativity, that would be that would be our way of approaching mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Exactly right. Well, that's a wrap for season two of the Hillsong Creative Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I've loved every minute of it, and I hope you have too. We're really planning a, an awesome season three. It's coming together really well and we've got some good things planned. So stick around for that. We're going to take a short break and be back with you in a few weeks. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC. So once again, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon.